The One Space Love Show, for the love of music, lifestyle, well-being and culture while caring for our planet. On this show, I will be chatting with musicians, artists and creative minds that are living life on purpose by doing what they love. I'm Jake Taylor, and you're listening to the One Space Love Show. Welcome, Jake Taylor, to the One Space Love Show. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. I'm very well, staying dry, high and dry right now. It's very wet. Yeah, it's very wet down in Sydney as well, and um, it is beautiful to listen to, but it's 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 very heavy rain, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's it's we're going from extremes, as you can. I mean, everyone's pretty aware of that, I would think. It's almost very pendulum-like in terms of trying to find equilibrium and we're just going, we're swaying so far one way to the other that it's very hard to, uh, yeah, find balance. I knew we were going to go straight to there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed looking into you you and the, and the band and the music and also the other project that, you're, that you have, Earthwalker. And, yeah, I've really been looking forward to have you on the show and I wanted to build a foundation kind of like of the tree and before we get excited about where you are now in these times I wanted to mm. to ask if you can take us back to to where this creativity and this foundation came from can you take us back to where that all started sure well <laughs> We'll try and do a short, a short answer of that. Uh, essentially, essentially, I think I've always, um, well, I came out, I came out legs first at eleven eleven, and I was, yeah, just I, I always felt like a, an only child. So, um, I always felt kind of sensitive to the world. I feel like as a kid, and my parents, they, uh, they, they needed to go their separate ways when I was young, and my dad kind of stayed in this. Uh, very, you know, stated city in a masculine kind of a world with a city and, and always that as the backdrop. Mind you, he, lit, he also stayed in a beautiful wild place called Mackerel Beach. So I could be barefoot and run wild and be cov- come home covered in ticks and the next day we'd be in the city. And whereas my mother, she moved to Byron Bay, Bangalore, actually up here. So we've been here for the last 20, 20 plus years. And having those two distinct worlds, the masculine and the feminine, I feel kept me in check and always kind of like... Um, Finding my edge as well, never feeling too comfortable, always that this this kind of need to not survive, but make sure I'm okay and 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 make sure that I my imagination and I can create and keep that alive. So I went through a Steiner school uh, process. My mom was very adamant sending me to a Steiner school, and uh, at the time my Steiner school wasn't like it, it, you know it was the parking lot now, mind you, is filled with Range Rovers and there's a you know 600 plus wait list. But back then, uh, the cars were. <laughs> They were whatever that parents could afford. Often, most of them are on payment plans. All the kids were kind of misfits. They didn't fit anywhere in anywhere else. So all quite unique characters and it really promoted creativity and uniqueness. So if you were good at music or if you, that's what you wanted to do, it wasn't even about being good. That is where you were given the time to grow. So I think having that environment really enabled me to kind of follow and create and be imaginative and build things. So that led me into uh into the music world and seeing hardcore metal for the first time at age 12 when my stepdad my mom's partner who you know still with us still here now is beautiful man called randolph ryman of mass appeal i watched him take to the stage in his band for a reunion show it was like a at the metro in sydney a reunion show yeah and uh it was it was supporting henry rollins and the hard-ons oh sorry henry rollins and black flag uh and it was you know, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was sold out, really big event. I got to meet Henry Rollins and see my stepdad, this calm, beautiful, like gentle, you know, guy take to the stage and go nuts, go wild. And so for me, that really, that, that blew the lid right off and thought, wow, like this is not what it seems. There's something, 
really powerful coming from this experience. And me with my Steiner gifts, I was then able to uh, step right into that world and and share what I wanted to say. Mm, would you say that your stepfather, Randy, was able to really show you that balance between the masculine and feminine and give you that foundation of how you can integrate them both? Yeah, I reckon in in a subtle way without ever saying it out loud or spelling it. I think, yeah, totally. He was a great role model for someone who was not uh, covered in tattoos, drinking and smoking, which is the stereotype that people put uh, this heavy genre in, which is totally, I think, yeah, miscon- you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, misconceived and there's a there's um yeah i don't know i don't know where that i guess i guess we yeah we have stereotypes and we just can't see through them so yeah he did show me that that it wasn't all was what not what uh all was not what it seems yeah yeah so the i read that the first demo was true love is hard to find was this (laughs) with your mates from from back in school in Steiner? Yeah, yeah. It was, no, it was neighbours, neighbours, neighbours and friends who were going to these hardcore shows. We were the ones, you know, sitting on the fringes watching these bands play for $5 and loving it. And so we, we formed a little a band and, and, and thought, hey, let's, let's enter a battle of the bands at one of the schools and let's, let's write a song and create that together. So we did that at, at 15 years old. And we recorded that at, in my music room at my Steiner school. So had you played together before this moment? You know, we had been playing music a couple of years prior to that, never giving it a name, just playing and making songs. But this was a, all right, you need to submit a band name. What's it going to be? So we all took out a piece of paper and In Heart's Wake was one of the names that I had written down. And we sort of did a, not like a, a I guess kind of like a voting system but not out loud. It was just like an anonymous kind of one. We went around and everyone really resonated with that name. Uh, so it was the name that we chose or maybe it chose us. I'm not sure, but we still have it to this day. And I think it has more meaning now than it did then, which is kind of cool because it feels like there is on some degree, a, a, you know, a mass awakening or at least an urgency to wake up. So yeah, it's, it's kind of more, yeah, it, feel, it feels more pertinent to now than, than even back then. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. It is a time to wake up and In Heart's Wake is definitely relevant to our times now. I read one of the quotes you said that beauty attracts beauty and there is a lot of beauty uh, even in the heaviness of the music of In Heart's Wake. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, and I I think I was also probably that statement relating to the land as well. You go anywhere that's beautiful and it will attract, you know, it does attract beauty. It brings it out. That's why we have real estate right now in, in Byron Bay is one of the highest in the country, if not the highest. It's finally catching on and everyone's flocking here. So How's it feeling? Because you're back now in Byron. Um, you were over in California, is that right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I was living in America. Yeah. Um, How does it feel? It feels right. It feels totally right to be here right now, um, sitting with that for sure. Um, it is a quickly evolving and changing place uh you know where money goes things grow (laughs) and it is changing rapidly for sure um that's okay it's nice to be kind of also at the pulse of where a lot of cool stuff is happening and just kind of surrendering into that and uh it's forcing us all to kind of live closer to our parents and our people because we can't just go and buy you know a two million dollar home like we can't afford that so the silver lining there is yeah it's deepening our relationship with our with our parents and we're kind of all yeah and, and their old friends and community it's all come back because covid is kind of like well where are we going to go you know so there are silver linings with it all and um just kind of surrendering and feeling into it it's a great time to to, to create and bring it back in and you're lucky you got both back over here was that something that happened pre-covid or yeah it was pre-covid um i was living in la living in la up until like september of 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 2019 and we went straight from that into the album just knew we had like we knew we had to record this album about fire it was just felt so time like divine timing there and the bushfires broke out and i made a commitment you know to get my stuff out of la do this record and come back with the band because to set this record up here in Australia, it was like, this is where it had to be done. Band photos, film clips all together. And uh, so that was my decision. So I got, eventually got back what December and the COVID, the COVID thing, you know, became like a worldwide uh, 
phenomenon, I guess you'd say, where it really was like, bam, you know, in March. So I got out of there in time before COVID was even, uh, yeah, a, a deciding factor. Okay, right. <laughs> well, let's go to Kali Yuga because firstly, I was so attracted to the the actual imagery on the cover and the name Kali Yuga because of my own personal understanding what that that means. Um, you worked on that with Josh Schroeder. You got it, Josh Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved how you explained that process, creative process of working with him because you had worked with him earlier, um, but this time you described that he very much brings you all to work in like the present moment and it's kind of it's very much working in the flow um because i mean the, take us into the creative process because you and josh were over in california and the rest of the band were in australia so that must have been an interesting creative process for the whole band it was yeah for the first time we went writing as a band all together so we're writing separately then bringing those pieces together so it actually allowed for more diversity and for uh, certain uh, certain voices and creations to get to the next stage without having any intervening force. So that that flowed really nicely. And then bring it together, you're hearing fresh pieces and fresh ideas, and then we could all add our own spins upon them. And Josh, Josh is a beautiful beautiful guy to work with because he's open to all ideas. He's not like, ah, oh, yuck, I don't like that idea. Like that's going to suck. He, he entertains it and he'll let you discover that perhaps, oh, it's worth trying. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. But then the ideas you bring forth, you're either more refined in them because you realize the last one didn't work and it was too similar to this one. So it really, it really just created this safe, a safe container for us all to just create. It. And we were, we were, you know, having bonfires like, you know, twice a week outside toasting marshmallows. And like, it was really, it became not about the record anymore. It was like, yeah, a bunch of, bunch of best friends getting together to, to enjoy our time together. So that's, that's really, that's really what I want to do when I create a record is enjoy it. Yeah. And would you say that you being over in LA and having to, to work the creative process from there, was it your, did this play a big part, your connection there to nature and your experiences in LA that you would have been having? Did this play a role in the creative process from your end? Yeah, I think it was a, a bit of a baptism of fire living in LA, really full on. Uh, I wouldn't say it connected me more to nature. I would say that it showed me what I didn't want. And it was my experiences using LA as as a leaping point to go to Joshua Tree, to get to Lake Tahoe. Um, as, as a reason to make sure I took those regular trips and those trips deepened my connection to back in LA, you know, it's, it's, it might be like two miles to, to get somewhere, but it's going to take you like half an hour to get there. So if you got to get from one side of LA to the other, if you do it at two in the morning, you'll be there in 20 minutes. You do it any other time of the day, it'll take you three hours. So that alone was starting to like test, like why, you know, asking big questions, why am I here? Am I enjoying this? Is this the kind of existence that's right for me? And like, I'm glad I did it. So my girlfriend at the time, she got a role over there. She's an actress. So Georgia got a really amazing role uh, playing the lead, lead actress in a show called American Princess. So we moved over there for that to happen. And it was like, you know, it was an exciting experience being at Hollywood parties, Beverly Hills and on million dollar, you know, million dollar stats. Uh, I got a, I got a job as an extra in a show called glow on Netflix for some fun. And it was really exciting and cool and, and uh, great to see like art and creativity on that scale. But there are many cogs in that wheel and it's quite a, it's quite a game sort of to play. And so I love that part of it. Don't get me wrong, being in those beautiful creative spaces, but to get there and to, and to live in that existence where you can't even drink from the tap, uh, just was, it's like, it's like first world, yeah, like first world stuff in a third world, you know, place. It was like really odd, really odd. This really riding this fine edge where there is just homeless people going through your bins, just outside your window. And you feel like, wow, like I can't really help these people. Uh, Tent, you know, tent cities, and yet there's like million dollar people just bawling, like 
shooting films. It just felt really odd and strange. So that's that's kind of the eye opener. I'm glad I had it all all of those experiences, and that did influence the record and and show me Carly that needed to be written. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it. And she got to work on the track of Kali Yuga Crossroads. Is that right? Crossroads. Yeah. 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 She's, she's a great singer and a, and a great musician as well. And we had this really cool experience where we were both acknowledging the crossroads that we were at, like the two paths she needed to stay and continue her, you know, her dream, her acting. And I needed to follow the music back to Australia. And, and it was a realization that like, like the, of course there's love, but the love just wasn't strong enough in that sense where we still needed to follow like our visions. And so we had this opportunity. It was like a 48-hour opportunity with, uh, with Josh, Georgia and I there on, on, our, on what was to be. Like we didn't really know at the time, but our last kind of night together. Um, yeah. And so we just created this song with, like with Josh and just like, it, you know, it was meant to be kind of a demo, an idea, but it just like we just, we just laid down tracks and those takes ended up being the final takes and then the band put some production and some spins on some things, but what you hear is, is a 48 hour timestamp. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. You can really um, feel what you're both experienced with that song. Yeah. It's, it's like we're writing, we're writing these two worlds, writing the differences and like putting into a song. It, it was cool. And that's, that's art when it's, when it's on the pulse and in a moment and you can just capture it. Like that's, that's really, it gives me a joy with art. So the the image that you used um, of the band with all the masks before the experience that we all had worldwide when we were asked to wear masks, how do you feel looking back now? Yeah, it's kind of scary. Like it is, it is prophetic to a sense. And it was before the bushfires, might I add as well. It was a little scary because it's like, okay, well, what else is going to come true? And then this to say like, well, anything is possible. Like at the same time, we really have to, like we, we're so naive in thinking that we're all like everything is okay. So not to live in the fear of that, but to live in the action part of it. It's like, hang on a second. Why isn't this mainstream? Why aren't we addressing these things? And yeah, we didn't want to be insensitive to anyone who had experienced the severity of the bushfires or what was happening in COVID. But at the same time, we have to like, you know, we're in a cancel culture era where we also have to just say how it is sometimes and really have discussions around these topics. It's important we like, we, we boil them and get them to the surface because that's, that's where the biggest change is going to happen. And so, uh, yeah, it felt, they were, they were provocative, you know, all of it's been a bit provocative, but we're not trying to, we're not trying to pot and probe to, to aggravate. We just want to create discussion and awareness. Yeah, exactly. And to bring the voice to the non-conforming and to the people that, that see they want to step out of the box and see things as they are. And you're able to bring that that like-mindedness, almost a community, a unity of those voices together. Mm, and I've said I've said this before, but I'll, but you know there are a lot of heavy things going on in the world, and that to me is why heavy music has a place because it's not afraid to like scream it out loud and just kind of say it how it is sometimes. So it gives a real, it's a really powerful voice to the underground, to the underworld. And we can get away with it, I guess, uh, whereas a lot of the pop stars and mainstream find it harder to weave in. It's got to be more in riddles because, I mean, they're on jet planes and the modern world is, is so, like, comfortable in a sense that there's not really, that it doesn't want change as much, perhaps. I'm Jake Taylor, and you're listening to The One Space Love Show.
were you already aware of the meaning of Kali Yuga? I feel like I, I keep bringing this up during our talk, but it felt very relevant to where we were heading and what we were about to experience. And as you expressed, you'd already finished and written this album um, pre-COVID and this name had already come through to you. It feels like we're really um, witnessing all our foundations uh, crumbling and we're really being called to action and called to wake up. Um, Yeah, and there's a real reflection of that in this album. Yeah, yeah. So I was aware. It's kind of, you know, people throw around, oh, Pluto is in retrograde or like we're in retrograde. For me, it's like, well, I remember doing a pass through the through the early mixes and being like, whoa, it's like Kali Yuga. Like, you know, like it's also like there's a lot of dystopian tales in here and a lot of oh, speaking to the imbalance and the strife. And there's just a lot of, yeah, inner searchings of, of the soul and also the outer as well. So it just, that's why the Kali Yuga was like a term I kind of, oh, it feels like Kali Yuga. And then I was like, hang on a second, you know, what do the guys think about that 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 being the the theme and of the record in the fires of Caliuga essentially? So everyone was on board once they yeah everybody got to feel into the name and know what it was about, um, you know. And it's worth saying you know, so they like for those that don't know what Caliuga is, it's 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 an age foretold by the Hindu ancients. It's a like a mystic age goes you know goes back centuries and. It, it, it foretold of a fourth age and it's like a wheel. It's important to know that it's a wheel. It's like, it's cyclical, not linear, you know? And so we're in this fourth age and I like to imagine it as if it were winter so that, you know, spring, there is a potential spring that we can move into. Uh, but right now in this winter, we have to, we have to face ourselves. We have to face ourselves through all the discord, the strife, the destruction, the greed, materialism, oppression, lots of these uh, splinterings of uh, it's not all negative but it's just a lot of looking into the mirror i would say and through that if we can face it all and we can transmute that we can learn from it and say and see what kind of a what kind of a shift we, we want to step into but spring isn't just going to come like it does you know in in the in the four seasons we have to we have to will it so we have to be ready to rise to the challenge that's what i believe so we are in Kali Yuga right now and there is a golden age that precedes Kali Yuga, but we can't just wait around. It ain't just going to fall into our laps. It's really important to remember that. So it's a call to action and yeah, it's a call, a call to arms. Now, now is the time. And uh, yeah, we were born for these times hundred percent. Like it's not, you know, what, what an opportunity we get to be here right now. Age of Aquarius has just shifted and we get to be here to, to help determine what our future is going to look like. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really important time that we are experiencing at the moment and it's definitely a call to action and, um, yeah, there's a lot of silver linings to what we're experiencing as difficult as it is. Um, It's almost like we've all, you know, get a chance to to start with ourselves and to to create our roots in the ground and then ripples from from a really grounded place. Yeah. And, you know, one of the silver linings of this uh, pandemic is it has brought families closer, whether it's through Zoom or checking in with our loved ones. And so those ripples that we can send outwards, it's a time to really like to check in who's under this roof, who's in this household, who am I with? Uh, Is this healthy and is this right in this relationship? So we get to be in charge of those ripples as a sense of accountability, but not acting out of panic, fear or urgency. The urgency has to come, mind you, in a grounded place where it's like, no, this feels right to take action, not like I'm in a total state of reaction and panic. And that's the difference between like, yeah, doomsday and people slipping into the fear of that and those that are rising up to the challenge. And like, it's it's a challenging time. It, it ain't easy. Words are words, but it's like walking the walk takes a whole other level of of commitment. And it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. But again, we were born for them. So Let's go. I love that you mentioned that because it is a question of if we choose an energy of fear or love. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> no, thank you for saying that. And I love that you say that. 
because we play around with this word and we don't realise how powerful it is. And if we can shift from panic and reaction and actually coming from that place, you know, it's, it's, I keep coming back to that place. It's like coming from the roots of the tree. If we have our roots grounded and if we can all be a tree in the forest and stop reacting because our roots are really grounded and we're coming from a place of compassion. Anyway, I'm going on a rant. <laughs> no, it's, but yeah. it's, it's a good rant. It's a good rant. And I had, I had this epiphany. I was out in the pouring rain last week, like at a camp. And uh, I mean, you know, yeah, the trees in a great analogy. Yeah, I saw that, that you were taking a, a wilderness break off social yeah. media. It was crazy. Yeah, it got, it was a great learning experience. My job was keeping the fires alive. And so I had four fires to keep alive. Uh, and doing that in like this, this heavy, heavy weather, getting dry materials was, was a good, it was a, it was a challenge that I clearly needed to learn. And, uh, it started flooding all on like base camp basically. And we had tents and higher ground, but my last fire, I had it propped up and like the kitchen was flooded and I could just see my fire like flickering over a lake and I just couldn't let it die. So I remember someone actually heard someone say, oh, it's like the, the heart of the Titanic going down. And it was quite like. It really hit me in the in the feels like I, I'm not going to let it die. I don't I don't have to allow it to die. So I went out there with a shovel, shoveled the coals in the pouring rain, walked back across the lake, poured it into a wheelbarrow, and then like stacked whatever wood I could find on the wheelbarrow, and I sent it up into a blaze. And I wheeled the wheelbarrow up to higher ground. So we had we continued the fire up on higher ground, and everyone was it was like a yeah, beautiful experience. But I remember I love that metaphor yeah. to what we are experiencing right now. Yeah. And so I remember looking at this tree as a big gum actually, and it was like bucketing with rain. And I always imagine, you know, the branches in this analogy, sending light in the, in a photosynthesis and energy back to the roots. But one thing I hadn't accounted for was that all those branches actually catch all of that rain and it flows down the branches. And it was just like gushing like a waterfall down the trunk and sending all of that water right back to the roots, such a divine system. And if you really do break it down and tree in all of its ways, it's like, it is like, talk about like divine intelligence of like a, a circular system that really works and how it draws everything back in. It was just like, yeah, it's a little bit of an epiphany. I never really thought about the rain. I was always like, oh yeah, roots reach out and grab water, but seeing it run down the trunk like that and a lot of it too, it was just kind of realization we all have to grow those branches and really when we're all just trying to reach for the light at the end of the day, reaching for the light, but to also bring that nutrients back to the roots and stay grounded. Isn't it like reaching for the light, but bringing that light and integrating it within? I mean, I'm, I'm saying what you're saying, but, but also with everything that's going on at the moment, all the technology staying grounded yeah. and connecting. That's yep. right. And that's the, you know, the shadow of Aquarius, age of Aquarius is that we can get too caught up in the, the digital space and by caught up i mean like lost in it because the digital space is actually an incredible tool if we can anchor it and it is the, it's, it's you know bitcoin all these these incredible things where you know decentralizing like you know there's a lot of amazing things happening around it but not to get just lost in that world because i mean information has never been it's never been closer at our fingertips in this age of aquarius yet the truth has never been further we don't know what where the fake news lies and what is real but we still have it all in front of us so it's really interesting time and to not be disheartened by that but realize like yeah again stepping in to that grounded clarity what is truth what is right we're kind of asking these questions of ourselves yeah it's like the matrix yep and there is a new matrix coming out isn't there oh is it it feels like a perfect time <laughs> yeah. for a new matrix to come out because you know it's definitely time to to really figure out what lens you're looking out of and what's real and what's an illusion. And it's yeah, it's true. interesting times. It's true. Yeah. And it's, it's all a form of some sort of reality. And it's just, yeah, we're really st stepping into, into, uh, what is it? Into, oh, what's it called? Inception, like the layers are really <laughs> peeling him back. Dream within a dream. So with the album Kali Yuga, you actually minimise the environmental footprint of the entire album process from offsetting carbon emissions, from travelling, recording the album to manufacturing and packaging everything plastic-free. I mean, what an experience. I mean, how, how was that? Mm, it was definitely an experience. It started off as an experiment. What does, what does a power reader, what does that, what does that usage output 
to track a full day of guitars. So yeah, it started off as just taking down data, looking at how many lights and I mean, driving miles, looking, that was easy because you just have the odometer, just have a start and end point. And then uh, flights, you can, you can easily find that on the internet, but how far it is from a flight from Sydney to uh, Detroit in America. And uh, it, was a, it was a cool process because that is the step of accountability again that we have to sort of step into in this, in this age of Kali Yuga. And it, it did show us that like the carbon footprint, a huge part of it you know, was in the flying, more than half of it is in the flying. And that's still that's flying economy on a you know a plane of hundreds and hundreds of people, so I was like, I was like wow, so all right, that's a huge one. And us touring musicians, you know, we fly a lot, like that's how we play music. So rather than just like not doing anything at all, which would be sort of the obvious, you know, obvious thing to to reduce our footprint is to find out ways in which we can reduce and be conscious with with what we do, so that it's not in a place of like a disheartening disappointment. Oh well. Oh, well, we just went to her again. So we want to find solutions because we need music and people need to move as well as we saw with, with COVID. Without live music, we kind of like, we forget it's, it's a primal part of us stomping and moving. So yeah, the record is the first step essentially to looking at all the other areas in which we can also reduce our footprint. And uh, we achieved, achieved that on the record, 26 point. Three seven tons of CO carbon emissions of CO two e. I'm pretty sure it was, and uh, that's been offset in the Yarra Yarra Western Australia in a biodiversity project. So you're seeing a landscape come back to life, and it's cool for our fans then to also be part of that. With every record they purchase of the physical units of this record, we planted a tree in India because that's where you know long ago the mystics of the Hindu ancients birthed Kali Yuga, or at least the concept. Um, you know, into a language that now we can be able to look at this wisdom and be like, hang on a second, like the blueprint is there. So, uh, yeah, doing doing what we can. Yeah. Can we go now to Earthwalker? How did this come about? Was this something that was your concept? With Earthwalker, it originally started out as a place for all the outdoor community that I, that's where I go to, to find fast track myself into balance coming back from a tour essentially. And so there came a point where, yeah, I was wanting to make things that uh, were going to enhance and, and deepen my experience, such as having that thermos of tea or having that hemp shirt, you know, and I want to do it all consciously as, as conscious as possible with organic and hemp and materials, the things that could be reused and reduced plastic. So that's where that originally was birthed and it has evolved now into taking adventures with my friends and capturing and documenting those adventures. And I'm currently like studying to be a, a, a how do I say it? A, a wilderness teacher in, in survival skills. I don't like using the word survival, prefer thrival skills, but yeah, I think it could be up. I've been actually teaching kids at the moment, um, mentoring with kids through like six to nine year olds in that age group, really, really formative years. And they, you know, they usually ask to go there from their parents. Sometimes the parents send them there, but they have big imaginations and watching them have the mom don't leave kind of moment to then dropping, then mom goes and it's like, Oh, mom's gone. Like, let's go. You know, like they, they just, they just drop right in and become like, I see them in a whole new light. And then from 9am to 4pm, just what a, what a difference it makes. You know, how excited they are when they see their mom, look what I learned. And they come, you know, here's, I, I wove this and I, I made this out of clay. Like they're just so pumped. So good. So that's been really nice to see that. But I, I really feel that my work's going to be more with, uh, more with adults, actually. Adults that have kind of lost touch with, their, with the inner child. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's really important that it's, I think we really need adults to, to find that, that playfulness and be back in touch with joy. Yeah, joy. Joy is something. Yeah, that's just so vital. Yeah. Yeah, joy is so vital and it brings us um, into the moment. Yeah, yeah. When we're in joy, we're usually really, really present too. I would say they go hand in hand. Yeah, totally. And do you find that music is what helps you stay in that present moment? Yeah, and it's not every single time, but when you do have those wonderful moments of like you're like yeah, where time sort of stretches and you slip into that it's like yeah it's pure joy and pure presence it's really wonderful and i get the same that same thing 
out of nature, uh, usually without, you know, without, without phones or time pieces so I can step into a sense of timelessness. And the kid just starts to play like, yeah, just finding across the rocks, you know, not, not going, okay, which is the next rock that's going to have the least amount of, you know, I'm going to slip the lease and you're not doing a damage assessment. You're just going for it. It's just finding, find, refining that, the feet. Yeah. How did you cope when as a band all your international touring came to a stop and touring was very un you know, um, uncertain. It was a very uncertain time. How did you How did you manage that as far as controlling all and managing all of that? I didn't really. Uh, I, can't, I just kind of went to damage control because I am the manager. So I just like there were, didn't even have time to really like let myself, to be honest, really feel. It was just like this is what's happened. How am I? What am I going to do about it? And so I went straight to create like create like the content that people can still engage with and how to keep that alive for as long as possible. And it was just choiceless. Um, of course, there were some little fleeting moments of, oh, I couldn't play that festival. And, you know, the, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of loss there, but because of the, lab, the, the playing field was leveled, everyone was in the same boat. It didn't feel victimized or hard done by. It just was like, this is what we have to do. So, yeah, we, we, we really have used the time to, like deepen certain skills rather than widen, which is what we're used to doing. Like see how far we can travel and how big can we make a show and what's the, yeah. But instead we're like, all right, well, what are the skills we want to do? So we actually developed an unplugged show. We went full, we went full folk and acoustic essentially because we could do that to a seated crowd and we could also play in this room, like have band practice with a full drum kit, we couldn't. So these were kind of our responses and our ways of diversifying, but still like staying together. So we did that. And I've also been working on a documentary uh, called Green is the New Black. That's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm pretty excited about it. And it's, it's, a, it's again, it's, it's, a, it's essentially a metal band's journey towards sustainability. So it covers the last two years of, of our learnings and processes. And I have been throughout COVID just kind of like, navigating borders and whatnot to, to interview people and uh, journey to wherever I could within reason to, uh, to, to, to find solutions and put those into this documentary that, that the band is creating. So two of the guys are working on the soundtrack and I'm working on this, you know, I've got an editor and we're kind of like every month we get together, then we go, go to task and we come back. So it's been a nice project to keep, keep the waters boiling and things moving and feeling like we're again, part of uh, something bigger than just the band to hopefully have an offering that comes out of this. So is film um, an area that you've worked in before or is this a new skill um, that you're learning or, or have you got someone doing all the, all the filming? Um, so I, I, I run a, I'm a film, like I've, I direct most of our music videos I have in the past or at least co-directed or, or written them or produced them. I've had a heavy hand. So uh, like having that has built up my experience um it's part of what i do uh i do yeah i don't use the word corporate stuff but um there's a few let's say local farmers that have me come and video their farms and get like their regenerative farming practices and processes and tree planting so i've been developing my skills in, in the film world so i have brought those forward and i'm working with uh his name's caleb graham he does stuff for abc and he worked on the parkway drive documentary and him and i co-directing this together and he's got some incredible gear so between him and i we're just we're bringing this this vision forth and so it's great again to collaborate yeah yeah it's 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 good it's good to have a good team hopefully hopefully coming to to theaters near you 2021 let's hope <laughs> well i see i see it happening i see it i see it in the cinemas so yeah i'll see you 2021 dendy yeah so, so, sounds good maybe that of the palace we'll see where we can go Whoever will take yeah, us. Yeah, with the choc top. Choc top. Yeah, choc top and a wine. So talking about choc tops, <laughs> um, is there a particular, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you this, but is there a particular um, viewpoint you stand on when it comes to your eating and your lifestyle? Mm, on that, that right there is a 40-minute answer. But um, so being someone who has also asked 
people in my in this doco what their answer is i've been able to kind of extrapolate like you know what is the thing to do and and it, it it's a polarizing question because we're so divided on this topic like you know it's it's huge and so I, again, I'm not here to. I don't. Want, I don't want to preach. I can just say what what I've been doing, and I've I've sort of straddled. You know, I was vegetarian until I was 11 or whatever, and then I said, "Mom, I need to try this," and she was like, "Okay, let's you let's try this." Um, tried, tried being, you know, did veganism for a bit as well. Our bass player has been vegan for I don't know 10 years or something. Guitar, like we've got plenty. We've got we've got all the all the diets within our band, and. And I, I've had like a, just with my wilderness survival sort of stuff, there's been a few things that have come up. And so I wasn't able to like uphold and stick to this strict veganism thing. And I was noticing with my body as well that there was certain, I wasn't like maintaining a healthy, a healthy balance for myself. So I saw blood, blood work and blah, blah, blah. And so it raised kind of yeah, issues and how, how this can be tackled. And I asked the question to, to actually Damon Gamma, who's done a documentary 2040. So, I, I, yeah, so I asked him and, and he's in our documentary, um, absolute gem of a guy. And he kind of said, and, I, I'm, and I'm not quoting him directly because I don't know it that well yet, but he basically summarized it by sort of saying that, you know, we animals should not be in cages, like, like, not just not just from a morale perspective, but also it's not healthy for the planet. Like they need to get out of the cages. No animals should be caged. They need to be back on the landscape, you know, and wild, like moving. And so, with that being said, like it's actually healthy for the landscape if the animals are are regenerating it, you know, and moving. So, but those animals that are, you know, in regenerative farming, which is actually a brilliant practice and a kind of an ancient skill. If it's if done correctly, it just restores the entire landscape. So he said, like, you know, we may see in the coming years climate friendly beef. Like it might be a thing that might be offered. Um, but right now, like if he was to generalize and say what we should be eating is definitely eat less meat. And as far as plants go, we eat, I think it's something like I don't know, two hundred or four hundred plants, but there are like two thousand that we can eat out there that we just haven't even tapped into. Yeah, so we really need to explore that space more, um, but just also recognizing that we do need animals in the landscape and regenerative farming is like a powerful, powerful thing. So it can be a polarizing space, but if you're going to eat meat, basically eat, eat a hell of a lot less. And if you are, know where it comes from. Is it, can it be wild? Can it be wild? Is it, is it, is it, benefit, is it a meat that benefits the planet? Um, and again, it's a super challenging because everyone has different you know, opinions on that. But according to him, from where the science comes from, that's, that's, his, that's his play on it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being honest and, and answering that. And I think you know, your answer was really informative and I really appreciate that. Do my best. It's a hard, it's a really, people are passionate, which is great. People are passionate. Um, and so they should be. Find, finding a, a global solution is tricky because what we really need is diversity. You don't go into a forest and it's all one type of tree. That's a monoculture. Yeah, and uh, we all have different justifications, but always asking questions along the way and, and not just doing what's easy and what's comfortable because often what is easy isn't always right. And that's the hard part where change steps in and it's like, well, which one is really going to create a, a future that my children and grandchildren can live in? And those are the questions we need to be asking our food and if we did if we all did that i know that we wouldn't all have the same answer but we'd have many different answers all a part of a greater solution so yeah, and that's what business is heading to it needs to head to in order to survive like because you know so we need to head to this what are yeah more of an open book more of a mindful practice you're listening to the one space love show and i'm your host steph pappas really nice having you on the show and I, i'm i'm really enjoying our chat it's good we're, ja- we're jamming it's not how when you get jamming it's just next thing you know you've been at the jazz gig for two or three hours underground 
And you've had five martinis and it's like, hang on a second, we're still in New York City? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, this energy exchange, What? how do you find that connection and that energy exchange at the moment? Because there's not as many live gigs with, with the crowds and, you know, mm. how are you finding that? Well, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely in community without a doubt, whatever that looks like. Like, because that's all, like that energy exchange, I know it does, it does hit like a, uh, a certain threshold live. And by threshold, I mean a physical threshold where like, you know, at first you're like slightly sweating, let's just say, and then all of a sudden you're just like, you know, you're soaked. And at that point, like, you know, it's that breakthrough moment. It's a cracking. So we have to find that in other ways. And I don't know what that is for everyone, but I know that there, everyone has an opportunity to still receive that. And, and how I've been receiving that is by doing these camps, these survival overnight multiple night missions where I have to like crack quickly when I have no food and I'm just taking water and a blanket, you know, and a knife out there. And that cracking happens pretty quickly. Uh, and I haven't done it by myself, but when I, I do it with, you know, one, three other like people who I obviously trust and whatever, but that little tribe, that little community thing that still have that exchange, that's how I'm able to still receive and uh, step into that presence. It's very different to being on a stage, but I feel like the energy uh, release and exchange is similar. Yeah. Have you seen Into the Wild? I mean, I actually haven't. I actually have. haven't sat through it yet, but um, I really, I really want to see it. I love the soundtrack. It's beautiful. Yeah, and there's a there's a quote in there that won't ruin it for you, but happiness is only real when shared, and that's something that like I see often requoted everywhere because it is true. These you know, in community, whatever that looks like, whether it's your gardening workshop or, you know, pottery workshop, nature camp or playing music, we do need to meet on that, like where we feel met on an equal exchange level. And so I know COVID's like forced the other way. We've done what we can to have yoga classes on Zoom, which don't really, (laughs) not the same thing, but we're pretty resilient when we need to be. So I'm confident we're going to find new ways. Yeah, it's been a really like interesting time and I guess it's it's really allowed us space to look at what it is we value and mm. um, and how we really want to spend our time and who we want to spend our time with and given us a lot mm. more space to go to go well, within. Yeah, and it's it's really it has also separated those that could rise to the challenge like yourself and and find that really call that inner power. Or some just have not been, and I've, I've experienced many who just, you know, yeah, fallen, fallen. Yeah, that's that's really, yeah, that's the word. And it, it does, it comes back down to like, yeah, not you, the things you have to hang on to aren't necessarily externally; they happen within. And not a lot, not all of us are given the right tools, which is the really, really darn tricky part. But I, I'd say like. And not everyone has access to nature. And again, that's why I'm so like want to do everything I can to, to bring people back to it. Because to me, that that is the within without experience that will bring you right right back and bring all of the stuff out as quick as possible. Like it'll it'll do it. It won't, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah. I mean, for me, it you know, I've I've really like had to commit to going within every day as as many times as I can and just really like going inwards and just being in that stillness. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a game changer. That one's huge. Yeah, yeah and closing yeah, then, your eyes and, and going within. Yeah, rather than closing your eyes and going like deep within, which is fantastic, mind you, it can help for a lot of people's busy minds to just be like looking and open. And so that's why that's where it lends itself to nature because it like it can quiet the mind by just by being still and looking around you. The, like what what might seem like a still landscape suddenly like is so alive. You're like, oh my, I didn't see that spider on the bark or that bird sitting there. And if you are returning to that spot every day, you'll start to become like the spider on the tree, and then more things will come out because they just recognize you. That's where like that deep shift starts to happen and incredible things can take place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once you like start to realize the expansiveness of nature and and the oneness and it it, be, it can become quite overwhelming. Yeah, and it, and it and it can be overwhelming. 
in the end, you realize, wow, there's so much going on. And the deeper you look, it's... Yeah, yeah. I think you start to realize how small you are but how significant you are. And it's kind of like like, don't sweat the small stuff, but you realize how significant you can be. Yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. I know, I agree. Yeah, you kind of like seem like, yeah, so small in the biggest scheme of things. And yet, at the same time, like a pebble in this, you know, it can make ripples, obviously that analogy, but it can also like shift, it can shift, you know, the, the, the way of a stream if it's in the right spot. So like don't, don't also, yeah, don't also count yourself out as not being powerful. But uh, the stakes, we, the stakes are often so high. We like, we hold the highest stakes to ourselves. I don't know, I don't know where I read it, but there was a study on you know, asking the elderly what they most regret. And it was just, it came back down to like, worrying like i worried way too much i always could go back and tell myself like don't worry like it'll work itself out like whether it was that money or that job it's just like like you'll be okay you know so yeah the stakes are often so high and we have so much importance in our little bubbles like it's the end of the world if i don't get that job or that breakup or whatever it is and whilst it is important and valid it's just kind of it's all part of of, of this amazing stories that we're that we're writing we just have to ride them if you were able to talk to a younger version of Jake, what advice would you would you give back now that you know what you know? Just trust, trust in the process. Yeah, I'm feeling super like great right now, having just come out of like a camp of a village that came together to make something happen, and then we were flooded out. And as a camp, we had to work out how to get our stuff over floodwaters with zip lines, and it was like such an incredible human experiment to show like when the waters rise what we have to do to get to higher ground and how when the need is there we're willing to do it and so like there was never i I didn't feel any sense of like fuck what are we gonna do uh it was just like okay this is what has to be done like one step at a time and i felt safety in the numbers that we had there because everyone's committed to that common vision and so again like the trust thing I just feel right now I'm like I'm still harming from that that village experience. Thank you so much for joining me on the One Space Love Show. Pleasure to be here. You've been listening to the One Space Love Show and I'm your host, Steph Pappas. Go over to onespace.love to listen to all of the previous chats with all the guests that we've had on and there's links to the music that's featured on the shows and all the links to the creative souls that I have on the One Space Love show. If you want to connect more with In Hearts Wake, all the links are over there and um, the links to the music that was featured in this episode as well are under Music We Love. So thank you so much for listening to the One Space Love Show. Keep being creative and keep doing what you love. I'm your host, Steph Pappas.